BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Here we go on a Tuesday, and the news came on Monday, the Panthers' social media team having a little fun with That's a phony Google search. <laughs> Baker's 11, Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield named the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers two days after Matt Rule, the coach of the team, said he wasn't ready to name a starter. He got ready 48 hours later, as expected. From the moment they traded for him, I give the Panthers a moderate golf clap for making us think there was an actual competition. Not quite as skillful as Urban Meyer last year, making us think there was a competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew in an effort (laughs) to trade Minshew, and they got a sixth-round pick and a box of golf balls for him. This felt like a real competition. Sam Darnold getting first-team reps in practice for most of camp, splitting them with Baker Mayfield, and now Mayfield the guy... 20 days, now 19 days. Clock continues to tick. We need that countdown clock to week one. When the Browns is the Browns, visit Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. Amazing. How could it have not been Baker Mayfield week one against the Cleveland Browns? How, how could they, they knew the schedule when they traded for him. How could it not have been Baker Mayfield, Chris? That would have been right. a, a Jets, Colts, Super Bowl three level upset if it wasn't Baker Mayfield. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it seemed, it, it, you know, again, it was a competition to what you're saying, and they did a pretty good job of making it sound like, you know, hey, it's uh, these guys are earning it and got to have to work for it. But I think, as as you and I both know, and we kind of said this from the get go, I, I think it was, we thought this was inevitable. We did. I don't think either one of us sat here and thought, wow, well, you know, see, Baker's going to have a hard time going in there and beating out Sam Darnold. I, I think we both thought, right, I mean, that he'd have to screw up or, or really mess the situation up to not be the starter. And I think when you couple that with, you know, again, Sam Darnold not playing good last year, 
that's probably got a, a left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And then add on that all we've heard out of there, as we I think we talked about it a little last week, is just Baker's leadership, his his pizzazz, his sizzle. There is something to that. And I think, you know, they've been looking for that type of leader, let alone I just think he, plain and simple, is a better football player. And they were looking for, really, it seems like just about anything to replace Sam Darnold altogether anyways. By the way, there it is. Boom, there it is. Oh, shit. I knew I was going to get it It's over by me. Yeah. It's this way. It's not this way. It's this way. Uh, Yeah, they put it on me. They they said put it in the smart guy's box, and they put it over here. This way. Yeah. (laughs) This whole – because we have a monitor that shows – the show just below the the camera level. So it's not like looking into a mirror because it's the actual image. So when you do this, it's not, you know, where you're used to seeing your left hand go up if you were looking in a mirror. So you got to get used to all that. Either way, there is a countdown clock now. We say good morning and welcome to everyone enjoying the program or otherwise on Peacock Series XM85. Our, you know, don't take the Don't take the box away. Our loyal audience and rabid NFL fans in the UK and Ireland who watch on Sky Sports. We are back on the Sky Sports NFL channel. They take away Sky Sports NFL and call it something like Sky Sports Action in the offseason. Hey, Sky Sports, there is no offseason. Just call it Sky Sports NFL all year long. We'll give you more content if you're having trouble filling up your full plate of NFL content. Seriously, you don't and me, we can you. do it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to take away Sky Sports NFL and confuse everybody and fill up my email box with more stuff. I got enough stuff as it is. Six o'clock local time now. So not really prime time, dinner time, if that's when they wow. eat dinner. I don't know. You could call it you could call it happy hour. It's closer to happy hour than Matthew Berry's show. But hey, as far as I can tell, he said he's drinking during the show. I've got. I found a new hour of the day where it's socially acceptable, apparently, to to tip a few. So uh, do it. Do it then. Do it whenever you want. Six o'clock local time. Well, they they seem like they're pros over there as far as hitting the pub and doing all that after work. And I got to think. I don't think there. I don't think there's a dedicated time. I don't. You don't think so? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Any time is happy hour, which is fine. I'm not judging. I'm envying. Uh, Also, hi to our podcast audience says i cut chris off as he's getting ready to make a very salient point no i just gonna say it's just it's it's amazing that you know i feel like we've gotten to this point where you know sky sports even has nfl it just tells you i think how big the sport is right now and it certainly uh seems like it's kind of catching fire over there which is cool to see the next step then is to keep sky sports nfl all year long sky i'm talking to you sky all year long sky sports nfl don't confuse your loyal and rabid NFL fans. All right, the uh, Panthers probably have a few fans over in London who were happy to hear yesterday that Baker Mayfield is the week one starting quarterback, and he will play at least the first quarter on Friday night against the Buffalo Bills. This is the one thing, and, and really the only thing, that I don't like about the preseason going from four games to three because you never know how any team is going to approach any of these games when it's three. We always knew when it was four. Right. You see you see a driver to a drive first game. Two drives a second game. Maybe a whole half 
sometimes trickle into the third quarter. I remember when I was a kid, I'd get very excited oh. when the starters would be out there after halftime. Definitely. And then the and then the fourth preseason game, we, we know what it is. It's the battle, the final challenge for the remaining roster spots. Now, I don't know what the hell. I don't know what to expect. So, well, hey, good news. Friday night, we get to see yeah. Baker Mayfield against the Bills. Who would have expected in the preseason finale – we would have seen any starters, but every team does it differently now, Chris. It, it, it is it is funny. I mean, it's an, it's kind of an ever evolving process. Back when when my father, early in his career, the fourth preseason game was real, like like legit real. They'd play the Jets and you know Mark Gastineau and Joe Klecko, and they'd be like crushing my dad early on. And he'd be like, "Damn, I thought this was preseason football," and it was it was real intensity. And then yes, it became shy away from the fourth quarter, the the fourth preseason game. Play them in the third preseason game, and now we're in a whole different state of like. I, I think the other thing that's really changed is the 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 this, the scrimmages. You know, that's the other thing too. Just take for instance last night's game. You know, the Jets. Hey, they're going well. We we've hit the Falcons all week in practice. We don't want to play our starters out here, even though it's Monday Night Football and the fans are going to be here. So that has thrown a wrinkle into the situation. That's why you got to respect some of the other teams, or I do at least, especially in this era of you don't get to tackle and hit a lot. And we got a few teams like the Bills and the Chiefs who are going, no, we're going to get our opportunities to be live right here, right, here, right now. And we're not going to be you know, trying to feel our way into regular season football when the, when the season does come. They're going to hit the ground running. And I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be a big advantage for them. Uh, compared to some of these other teams. We thought we were going to get Joe Flacco last night. Instead, we got very brief, moment in time, blink of an eye, MVP candidate Mike White starter <laughs> for the Jets against Marcus Mariota last night. We'll talk about that coming up later in the program. For now, though, Baker Mayfield, knowing as the rest of us do what the schedule says, week one, the Browns coming to town. Here's Baker Mayfield on facing the team that made him the first overall pick in the 2018 draft right out of the gates to start the season. And right now, I'm just trying to get this, this schedule down. We're doing a, kind of a mock game week leading up to this Buffalo Bills game. Uh, and, and when that you know that time comes, three weeks from now, we're going to handle prepping for Cleveland. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of attachment there. I'm not going to, like I told you guys at Wofford, I'm not going to sit here and be a robot and say that it doesn't mean anything. Um, it will, but right now all that matters is me and continuing to improve until this regular season starts. To be honest with you, I feel extremely healthy, um, so I'm ready to go. I'm loving football again, and a fresh start is, is great for everyone every once in a while, and uh, just going to you know, take this opportunity and, and not take it for granted. That's boring, but that's what Baker Mayfield, I think, needs to be in Carolina. He needs to embrace boring. He was a little too controversial in Cleveland. And Chris, I kind of have a theory that they did this competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold just to see how Baker Mayfield would handle not having the job given to him. Do we have a grown-up at the quarterback position in Carolina? Right. The Browns believe they didn't. Has this process of being ejected by the Browns caused him to mature? You know, Carson Wentz last year, we've talked about this. He felt like he was getting a safe harbor in Indianapolis so he could blame the Eagles until the Colts kicked him out, too. What was Baker Mayfield's attitude? Was he getting a lifeline to Carolina, or was this a second chance and last chance for Baker Mayfield? So I think they may have wanted to just monitor who they had, what they had, because if you start to crumble admit adversity over Sam yeah, Donald getting first-team reps, you right. thought that you were entitled to 
what are you going to do when you start getting hit? Maybe get banged up, lose some games, get some tough questions. Right. You're going to, you're going to be just like you were in Cleveland. Yeah, that, that, I, I, think, I don't doubt that, Mike. I don't think you're wrong with that point. I think they were probably evaluating that, him the person, him the player. You know, him the ability to, you know, pick up the offense, process it, put it out on the field, do all that. I, I'm sure this was all a little bit of a test. I, you know, I think they knew what they signed up for to a degree. The thing I like about Baker Mayfield is, hey, he didn't sugarcoat. It's going to be a little different. And I, I think he's smart enough to know that, hey, I got to evolve too. And, you know, Mike, I, you, people, we all got to remember this to a degree. You know, I know there's the, you know, you know, the adult in the room conversation around Baker Mayfield you know sometimes as a player too you get stuck in a spot where you don't have an adult to raise you okay you don't have an adult that makes you mature and the man you want because especially when it's the number one pick or you're a top five pick it's always petals of roses at your feet and oh oh Baker and you know oh first round pick guy you're so great oh you were you were a few minutes late for a meeting. Oh, it doesn't matter. You're the first round pick. You're the first pick, actually. So it, it breeds that. We've kind of talked about this with Green Bay and Favre and Rodgers a little bit sometimes. So they get he gets stuck in with the old regime that was telling him how great he was, and they were invested in him, and they love him, and Jimmy Haslam loves him, and that can lead a young man down the wrong path. I, I think he's smart enough to realize, wait, that wasn't the right path, and hopefully he'll adjust from here. Um, but it is cool, and to your point, I think it's really awesome that he is going to be playing Cleveland, and I think, honestly, Mike, it's going to be a rallying cry for the football team. It is. It's just being in a locker room with this type of stuff, you know, they're going to want to play good for Baker, and the coaches are going to join in on, hey, let's screw over the Browns for how they treated our quarterback. Let's, let's, let's throw this out here at them. They're not ready for this. Screw the Browns. You screwed over our quarterback. We don't like what you said. I, I, I think there's a lot of positives here with Baker Mayfield and just the situation in Carolina. Yeah, I've been reminded by several folks in the past few days, given the comments of Deshaun Watson following the announcement of his 11-game suspension and $5 million fine, it sure doesn't look like the Browns have a grown-up at quarterback. Sure, now. exactly right. Exactly right. And, and, you know, you can fall down that path in a hurry. You know, and, and I'm, I'm going to – look, Brady was the ultimate soldier general in New England, right? He got to a place where they were, hey, you know, red carpet, better roses. And we've seen him change pretty, you know, abruptly here in a short time. I'm not saying it's bad, but, you know, he's changed in a hurry because of, because of the empowerment the organization and the coaches have given him. So it's, it's not always easy when you're in that situation, let alone a young kid who is just getting into the NFL – and everybody's telling him the man, and nobody's telling him when he's wrong or what to do or anything there. You know, there was no big-time, long-time starting quarterback that was his backup quarterback that could lead him down the road of, wait, hey, Baker, this is what you do. You know, like I've always said, I had Brad Johnson, Brian Greasy a little to help me in that way. He never had that there. I know Case Keenum was there, but Case Keenum never really was an established starter either to that point, except for that one year. So maybe I'm wrong about that aspect because he, I know he. No, I think you're right. But, you know and they were I mean? afraid of him last year. Exactly. They, they were, were afraid to go to right. him and say, maybe yeah. you shouldn't be playing with a left arm that is hanging, you know, down from your body and, you know, you're wearing this giant uh -huh. brace and trying to throw a football. Why don't we evaluate it properly? Take some time off. Maybe you need a procedure now. I felt like they tiptoed on eggshells around this guy 
constantly. Yeah, they let him be king. I think they did. And and then again, you know, I don't I don't care who you are when you are the king and treated like that. Yeah, that's when, you know, a little ego gets involved and narcissism might get involved a little bit and you just, "Hey, well, I'm going to tell them I'm going to tell them when I'm going to sit out," right? That's what he said in one of the press conferences. "I'll tell them." Right? And that that I think kind of said it all. So that's where I don't blame him completely. There is obviously some dysfunctions there in Cleveland, and I think it can go back to previous staffs that were even there before Kevin Stavansky. Well, fortunately, the Browns seem to have learned from the perils <laughs> of, of falling all over yourself to anoint a franchise quarterback and giving him everything he wants and saying everything that needs it. Never mind. You know, something else <laughs> that occurred to me, for the second straight year, imagine this. Yeah. What are the odds of this happening? For the second straight year, the Panthers open the season – at home with a top three quarterback from the 2018 draft going against the team that drafted him really from the other conference. Right. Jets last year right. at Panthers to start the season. Browns this year at Panthers to start the season. It is ironic, don't you think? You know, I don't think it's ironic. <laughs> it's coincidental. Yes. Highly coincidental. <laughs> yeah, but it is amazing. You're right. I, I didn't think about that either. And uh, uh, we saw Sam Darnold get the victory last year. This is going to, you know, but that was the Jets with a young quarterback. This is going to be a little different. I think even with Jacoby Brissett, Cleveland looks at themselves as a playoff caliber team. And, and you and I both know, and most people that cover football know, Cleveland's got a lot of aspects of the team where you go, whoa, they're, they're legit in this area. So this will not be easy. And uh, Baker's situation, I think, will add a little tension to the situation altogether. I remember talking to Donald last year after that game, a 19-14 to win by the Panthers, and he said it really didn't hit him until the national anthem, and he's standing there looking across the field yeah. at the Jets thinking, I used to be there. I'm, I'm <laughs> supposed to be over there, not right. over here, and I have a feeling Baker Mayfield will go through something similar to that coming up in 19 days. Here's Sam Darnold on losing the competition and therefore being the backup quarterback to Baker Mayfield. You know, me and Baker viewed it, you know, every single day. We were fighting for the starting job, and every day was our game day out there during camp, and, you know, especially as we got into these last couple weeks, um, you know, with, with uh, training with New England and, and uh, the game against Washington and obviously our game against New England. So, um, yeah, obviously it, it didn't go my way. Coach named Baker the starter, and, um, you know, my mindset, you know, is uh, – it is what it is, and for me right now, um, I'm going to do everything I can to support Baker and um, you know get him ready to play a game. Um, obviously, we still got one more preseason game left, so I'm focused on that. But when the regular season comes around, um, I'm going to do everything I can to, to support him and um, you know be ready for when my time comes. And hey, it's a 17 game season. That's something that head coach Matt Rule said yesterday. They got to have their quarterback room ready. Most teams use multiple quarterbacks at some point in a 17-game season. At some point, you're going to have your second quarterback out there. At some point, you may have your third quarterback out there. Now, some coaches and executives would say if you're down to quarterback number three, you're already screwed anyway. But still, we've seen most teams. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. This is just visceral, qualitative recollection. You've got plenty of teams that for whatever reason, either because – the guy doesn't play as well as he was supposed to, or the team is on thin ice and the coaching staff is on hot seat, or there's an injury, whatever. There's a lot of reasons why you get to the second guy, and the 
assuming the Panthers keep Sam Darnold, they've never said or done anything, Chris, to create the real impression they would trade Sam Darnold. Right. But as you made the point a week or two ago, he's making more than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. At 18.8 plus the 17th game check, he's making 19.9. Baker's down around 15. The Panthers are only paying him five. There's an incentive package there. If you could unload Sam Darnold, you know, if, if this is no different than Sam Bradford in 2016. We didn't know the Eagles were looking to move Sam Bradford. We thought they were going to go forward with him as the starter and Carson Wentz, second overall pick, as the backup until the planets lined up for them to get a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick from the Vikings. If there is, and this is where it becomes very interesting, yeah. if there is that, that serious injury to a starting quarterback between now and the start of the season – do they call the Panthers for Darnold? Do they call the 49ers for Jimmy G? Yeah, there's a little competition there for sure. And, and and I do wonder too. You know, I think, you know, first off, Sam Darnold, very mature team guy. We've never heard him ruffle anybody's feathers, right? The Jets, the Panthers. So I, I do respect Sam Darnold in a lot of ways. He's a real professional. He's a really good man and human being. Um, but that's the first thing I thought of too. You know, there's a side of me that goes, wait. They can't risk, you know, not having a good backup. This is a big year for the whole coaching staff. Matt Rule, you know, he might be out of here if things don't go well. But at the same time, there is a guy there in Philip Walker where I feel like they trust and they like, and he does have, you know, some ability. You know, unfortunately, he got into some games at the end of the year. He did some good things, but had a few games where there were some turnovers, and I don't know if they're, he's in the trust tree, as we always say, there in Carolina altogether. So I guess I would lean right now to go, I don't know if they can gamble with that. And they need to keep Sam Darnold for just in case. And we're just coming off a year where Baker Mayfield got hurt and he's not the biggest quarterback in football, as we all know. And then I think you couple that with the biggest weakness with the Carolina Panthers football team is their offensive line. I would think just because of that and how that lines up, I would think Sam Darnold stays there, but, you know, you never know. And, and you're right. If an injury happens and they get blown out of the water by something, you know, they might go, hey, the hell with it. Let's, let's say Sam, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield, Phillip Walker, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, if they can get – well, and that's, that's where you have the tension between coaching staff and front office. If Scott Fitterer is on any more firm ground than Matt Rule, he sees an opportunity to stockpile a draft pick or two, flip an asset that he has that is otherwise just standing on the sideline making over a million bucks a game. Right. Matt Rule may say, I want to keep this guy around because he may end up saving my ass before it's all said and done. Exactly. Scott Fitterer may be saying, I want to think about the future here. Why are we spending all this money for somebody who isn't playing when we can get? And who knows? Who knows what they would get? But see, this is what the Vikings would have loved six years ago. Two options, not one. They had one option, and the Eagles stuck it to them for a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Sam Bradford. Now you can at least negotiate. This is bad news for the 49ers when you think about it. Even though we knew this was coming, we kind of knew it was out there. The the bottom line is now that Sam Darnold is QB2 in Carolina – if somebody does need a quarterback, you can at least play the Panthers against the 49ers to get a better deal or at least not get hijacked the way that the Vikings were in 2016 after yeah. they lost Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah. uh, advantage Panthers if it comes to that. We don't know what's going to happen. But, hey, here we are, third week of the preseason. 
We don't. If starters are playing, we don't know what's going to happen. No. Usually, you, you get you get down to this last week of the preseason. The quarterbacks are, are in bubble wrap until week one. Right. Hell, Baker Mayfield could get injured on Friday uh, exactly night. Exactly right. The yeah, that's why they they can't do anything right yet. They need to you know evaluate this in, in one more week, especially like we just talked about. That O line's going to get out there and you know see if they can protect him the right way. Darnold's got talent. You know, he just hasn't been unable to kind of put it together and be consistent. And again, I'll, I'll stick up for him. It's not necessarily all his fault either. You know, he was with the Jets. It wasn't good. And it wasn't good just because of him. There was a lot of crappy things about the Jets, you know, uh, that surrounded Sam Darnold. So I think that's got to be, we got to remember that. And then even in Carolina, like we talked last year, McCaffrey gets hurt. I mean, the offense was horrible last year. Horrible. It would be very hard for any quarterback to have executed and looked good with what they were doing you know, for the majority of the year under Joe Brady. So there was issues there. And that's where you know, I, I, I still got hope for a guy like Sam Darnold that he can be a starter one day. I think a lot of teams are still going to look at him if it does come down and go, damn, you know, there's some talent of this guy. He's big. He can move a little. He's got a quick release, right? I mean, so there, there's things there. But I think at the end of the day, if it comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold for a team, they're going to go Jimmy Garoppolo. It, the optics alone wouldn't look good if you went Sam Darnold at this point. And, you know, I think that's the thing the 49ers got, at least in their favor there. And you got a chance to get Garoppolo for less than the 19.9 guarantee right, Mike. that Darnold's supposed to get, unless Darnold would give up some of the money to be able to go play just like Baker Mayfield did. Baker Mayfield ended up giving up more than $4 million bucks to go play for the Panthers. He can earn about 3.3 of it back, but they have to win the Super Bowl for him to get all of it. So money well spent by the Panthers if it comes to it. Meanwhile, I need you to indulge me. I need to send a text message yeah. to myself from five years ago. Okay. You can just indulge me. Okay, self. Take heart, Florio. This oversized idiot they are forcing you to host the show with will eventually learn that his name is not... Sam Darno. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you remember that? I know. Oh, I remember. I don't know what the hell. I, when, you know, I, when guys come out in the draft and stuff, sometimes I just I I butcher their names and I yes, I was giving sometimes him a, after sometimes after they're in the NFL. <laughs> you're right. I it, 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 it sticks in my brain once I've gone down the wrong path. So I was giving him a little French flair, okay, Sam Darno. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I mean, come on, don't, don't. Fortunately, try to make... <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, or unfortunately, he didn't have the same first name and last name as his grandpa. No, exactly. Uh, well, that's unfortunately. And hey, one last thing, because you know, you you thought of you thought of something. I know we need to probably share that with the off- audience so they understand that. But, no, no, we don't need no? to. No, okay, fine, I won't. No. But uh, they know. This is a reward for the people who have watched the show. Okay. See, I, I remember when I used to listen to Jim Rome right. a long time ago, and yeah. I just don't have time to anymore. But well, I'd be driving around in my car, and it was kind of like there were these little nuggets. Yeah, you, you had, had to know the Jim it. Rome You had, you had to have a history. Right. 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 And if you didn't, it was on you. So yes. if you don't know what we're talking about, it's on you. Yeah, that is on you. All right. Screw you then. Okay. And you know, the other, <laughs> thing, I was, the other thing I was thinking, too, you, you, you brought up something on the fly that you were thinking about. Baker Mayfield's been in this situation before. He has, where, you know, at Texas Tech, they didn't want him. They wanted Patrick Mahomes. Get out of town. We got a guy coming in town here that we like better. He goes to OU, how to play him. It was one of the best college games, I think a lot of people would say, in the last 10 years as far as excitement. So, 
Uh, you know, again, I know he was younger, but maybe that's some experience he certainly can lean on a little bit, you know, going into this one. Hey, I'll take it if week one Browns-Panthers ends up being – What was it, what 62 to 56 was. or something yeah, like just, that? Yeah, just a yeah. scene. Now there's a point where it becomes yeah, a little, little ridiculous, and it's not fun. <laughs> right. But I'll take I'll take a high-scoring game week one, just one of those crazy who would have thunk it 49-42 type games between the Browns and the Panthers because usually the offenses aren't ready to come out and fire like that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tom Brady back and firing away for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His 11-day break is over. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times said he was on fire yesterday, back to a full workload, like it never happened. And that really was kind of the theme of the day. It's like he wasn't even gone. He's back, and he's there, and the Buccaneers have their swagger back, as Stroud pointed out. There he is doing some drills. Uh, It probably made uh, him fresher, Mike. I mean, he probably feels good for a guy like him. Well, I did see Todd Bowles say that Tom Brady has to get used to the heat again, which of course immediately made me think of swamp ass. So, uh, you know, 11, I don't know. I don't know how much at age 45. Nobody knows. That's the thing I've been saying for the past two weeks. Everything is unprecedented with Tom Brady. Nobody knows how he's going to react after being gone for 11 days because he's 45. I don't know. They don't know. But they were very happy with what they saw yesterday. So he's back and he's ready to go. And I haven't seen anything more about whether or not he plays Saturday night in Indianapolis. Bowles left the door open on Sunday. I guess I'd be surprised if he did, but I think it would be awesome if he did. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to see it too, but you know, it's it's one where I don't I don't think it really matters. That's one I think you ask Tom Brady. It's plain and simple. He's earned the right to go. Hey, Tom, do you, do you want to go out there for a series or two? You know, oh, okay, no, no, you don't feel it. All right, cool, cool. You know, and maybe he won't want to right now. Maybe he'd like to go. Well, let's get the interior part of the offensive line some reps without me in there and then we'll go from there and and you know we'll we'll try to improve on everything going into week one but you know Brady like you know I'm not worried about Brady one bit he obviously had some personal life issues you and I know both know that and he's dealt with them but I think even with dealing with those I, I just have a hard time thinking like he didn't touch a football over the last 10 days I just don't think he's wired to just be like well yep I'm I've got to deal with some issues, and I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to, you know, I, I got to think he got outside and went, hey, I'm going to go over here for 40 minutes and just throw the ball a little bit. I'm going to go over here and just do a little TB12 workout for 45 minutes here and there. And I don't know, in a lot of ways, uh, damn, he looked good right there to me. So maybe it freshened him up a little bit. He wasn't choosing to not be there. He had to have been tormented the entire time. Because That's right. right. Things keep moving. It's moving without him. And now he's going to feel an urgency to get back up to speed. And again, it's Tom Brady. C- Cameron Brait, the Buccaneers tight end, told reporters yesterday, if anyone can pull this off, yeah, it's Tom Brady. That's right. And and the moment that we see him looking like the same guy he was, not just at practice, but in a game, whether it's Saturday night or whether it's 
19 days from now when the Buccaneers play the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. It'll be forgotten. It's going to be one of those things where at the time it was happening, it was so intense in large part because Brady ghosted everyone and the Buccaneers bungled it from a PR perspective. It was a big deal. Everyone was speculating, and then he's back, and everything is fine. Did you Brady, see the? Uh, I was gonna say, go did, ahead. did you see the video of like uh, the ABC local news down there when he came onto the practice field? That 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 was that was that was an old video. It was did an you old not video. Read your text messages from yesterday. I didn't know. Yeah, I did not. Video. Sorry, I was. We yeah. ate. We ate the trash. We ate the trash. Okay. Somebody. Somebody saw it. Replayed an old thing, and it, it was an it was an old video. Okay, sorry. Video. I know I saw you guys I, texting about it, but I was I think yeah. doing the the podcast at that time, so I didn't never went back and really checked on it that. Was, All right, so it that was point Brady doing your move with the double barrel middle finger. Yeah, and then a little and eat it was, too. A and little it was, this, yeah, this, my kind and, of moves, and some <laughs> and some uh, Dinkle McCrinkleberry uh, six pumps. He would have definitely been flagged and fined for that. Definitely. And I thought this is a hell of a way for Tom Brady to come back after a day break. But I kind of like it. But it ended up being an old video. That was an old video. I'd never seen it before. Right. How did I? I, I How did we not I, ever see that before? I, when right? I, I, we would have been playing it on an endless loop. Can we get it? Can we play it now? Probably not. <laughs> but I, I, it's like, how did I miss this? And it's from his time with the Buccaneers, so it, it can't be more than a couple years old. So right. um, that was not a new video. There was a new video posted, though, by Tom Brady on social media yesterday. And that's the other thing, too. It's like, and, and this is what kind of bugs me a little bit. Because, again, you can't bask in the public glow, especially when you're constantly looking to sell something and then just disappear and act surprised when people wonder, where'd he go? He's back on social media without a mention. Now, he did post a collage of photos from practice saying, I missed you guys. It's great to be back. So so he did address that. But he did also say with a video of someone in Brady underwear riding a motorcycle with a helmet on. Doesn't wow. matter what you're wearing as long as you got the helmet on, I guess. Uh, I wasn't on the Masked Singer last week. Was wearing a mask, though, creating the impression that that was Tom Brady. Please go please go buy my underwear and make me even richer than I already am. So, as somebody pointed out, would he really say he wasn't on the Masked Singer? If he was, probably not. Maybe he still will show up on the Masked well, we, you and there's I know no, there's, he's no not, so, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't that wasn't it. But that's right. what happens when nobody knows. People start guessing. So he's back and he's selling stuff. So things are normal. He's back at practice and he's back on social media trying to get you to buy underwear, crypto, NFTs, anything else. And I, hey, look, I'm a capitalist. I got no problem with it. But my point continues to be: if you're going to huckster all the time and you're going to be public and you're going to be there. Don't act surprised when people start yeah. wondering where the hell is this guy right. when he leaves for 11 days during <laughs> training camp. There's a point we didn't make yesterday on the Dana White claim that he he had a deal brokered, and it was almost a done deal, as Dana White said, on the first-ever UFC Gronk cast to bring Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to Las Vegas in 2020. Mark Davis was asked about it on Sunday. The owner of the Raiders said that was, what, two to three years ago or something I don't know, man. Talk to Dana. I remember that Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. That's basically what I remember. I have no idea. Dana has the stories. I love Dana. He's a great, great promoter. Why would this make me upset? That's what Davis said Sunday. And we wrote about it yesterday. And somebody who saw it, who knows what happened, got upset that Davis is acting like he doesn't know. We posted this earlier this morning on PFT. I'm told Davis knew exactly what was going on. That White was brokering the deal 
on Davis's behalf. Yeah. Davis wanted it. It was happening. How, how could the guy who would have been paying Brady yes. not know right. that this was going on? Right. It's all, it's like, let's, it's all a hypothetical. For, we have to go talk to Mr. Davis about it. We haven't told him anything about it yet. So, Tom, you want you ready to buy that house? We ready to do this? John Gruden, you okay with it? Everybody okay? Everybody signing off? Yeah, let's exactly go take right. it to Mr. Davis. That's not how it happens. Davis knew. But Davis couldn't say anything. Look, they, they – they all got smacked down verbally by the commissioner a couple of weeks ago for tampering. Stephen Ross literally got smacked down and suspended for tampering with Brady. The last thing Davis is going to do is admit it. Oh, by the way, he's also got the same quarterback playing for him. They would have thrown overboard in 2020. So there's no reason for Davis to admit it. I just think it rubs some folks the wrong way that he played dumb about it instead of just saying no comment. Yeah, I get He should have just said no comment. Right. This idea that, oh, I don't know. Well, here, here, let's refresh your memory. You knew you were involved, and Dana White was the one working on behalf of Mark Davis to do the deal. I mean, of course, right. I mean, yeah, I know. You know, it'd be silly to think that like, you wouldn't know, to your point. Exactly. He's the owner of the team. He's the guy that's going to be paying the checks, all of that, let alone – you know, it's 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 there was vested interest there. I think for Dana White too. One, he he's pro, he's friends with Brady. It sounds like he's a Boston area guy, and then the majority of his business happens in Vegas. So he'd love for that to be, you know, grander there and and everything about that add to the spotlight of Vegas. And man, every time I have a UFC fight, I'll be able to bring Brady and Gronk, and they'll be sitting front row and all of that. So it made sense for everybody. But yeah, uh, you're right. We, we we didn't talk about this yesterday and. Uh, obviously there was something there, but there was a lot of, a lot of tampering going on with Brady for sure. Uh, the last few years, we know that. And the Patriots did not care. The Patriots were not going to do anything to cause an ugly final separation. They knew he was ready to move on. They didn't huff and puff. They didn't suggest that anyone was doing anything wrong. So that caused more teams, I think, to be willing to get involved in the process before they were supposed to the league doesn't care about that it's still tampering in the league's eyes and what happens is just randomly once every five or six years the league whacks someone for tampering but the Patriots didn't care so the 49ers the Raiders the Dolphins the Bucks at a minimum were chasing Tom Brady or at least talking to him the 49ers talked to him and decided they didn't want him the Raiders ultimately decided they didn't want him because John Gruden didn't want to do it and that was that but Tampering was rampant, but there's there's multiple reasons for Davis to not act like he knew. But this whole idea of I forget, go talk to Dana. You know, he he tried. Oh, look, he's the guy that lined up John Gruden to come coach the team while Jack Del Rio was still the head coach. Yeah. So he knows a thing or two about lining up deals before they become official. Yeah, you're right. Exactly right. It goes on to your point. You say it all the time. This is something that goes on in the NFL. There's too many back-channel ways to communicate everything there. And, yeah, uh, as you you said, you take yourself back in time. New England was not going to cause any issues here. Brady wanted out. New England kind of wanted out. It was was over. And he had earned the right to kind of figure out where he wanted to go. And, you know, the Kraft family, Bill Belichick, they weren't going to make a stir about that. What's amazing is it's only been three weeks since the Stephen Ross punishment was announced by the NFL out of the blue. And I asked someone at the time it happened, do you really think this is going to stop teams from tampering? And no, it's not. They'll just be more careful. The Dolphins were reckless about it. Bruce Beal, as I heard it, was telling all of his buddies in New York that he's, he's getting his, 
his good buddy Tom Brady to Miami. No one was being discreet about it yeah. because they don't they never do anything. The last time there'd been a tampering punishment was like six years before that when the Chiefs talked directly to Jeremy Macklin at a time when they were only supposed to be talking to his agent. And the NFL made an example out of Andy Reid and the Chiefs just to kind of scare everybody else and to quit being so rampant about tampering. So set your clock. Just like I texted myself from five years ago, text yourself five years from now. That's the next time there'll be another tampering punishment in the NFL. All right. Jameis Winston, first overall pick in 2015. Spent five years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is already year three for Jameis Winston in New Orleans. He's back from a foot injury. Remember they downplayed it at first, Chris, when it happened on August 9. Ah, he won't be. That's a little, little tweet thing. He won't yeah. Be. Yeah. Right. Twelve days later, he was back for seven on seven. One day after that, he's back in 11 on 11 drills. Dennis Allen, the coach of the team, says he's comfortable if Winston doesn't play at all in the preseason. A lot of quarterbacks aren't playing at all in the preseason. The question is, will he truly be 100% good to go week one? between the ACL from week eight of last year when they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think it was Trevor Simeon that came in and yeah. saved the day. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And and uh, now he's got this foot that, that is presumably closer to 100%. I think he'll be ready to go week one. The question is how, you know, how effective is he going to be? And there's a lot of questions about the Saints, but Jameis Winston's health is not one of them currently. No, I mean, good, good. that's good news to hear. You know, Jameis Winston, as we know, I mean – if he can kind of get comfortable here, he's he can make plays and be dangerous as a quarterback. He made a plenty of them, you know, in Tampa. He had a year where what he threw for five thousand yards one year, right? He had thirty touchdowns. I know he had the thirty interceptions too. But my point is that there is still good in this guy's game, and you know, it's odd they haven't played Andy Dalton yet in the preseason, and you know he's the backup. They've been playing Ian Book, but you know, as something we have said all off season. I mean, this is kind of the under-the-radar big deal that I don't think has gotten made maybe enough of a big deal because I think the Saints are going to be a major player in the NFC. I think you think the same thing, too. And just looking at their team, like, you go, okay, O-line, going to be one of the better ones in football. D-line, going to be one of the better ones in football. Secondary, pretty damn good. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is still a top 10 quarter corner you got Tyron Matthew Paulson Adebo a kid that played last year as a rookie did a good job he looks like he's real Chauncey Gardner Johnson's real deal so there's a lot to look at Demario Davis is still real deal and they have Alvin Kamara and then the biggest thing is they got weapons at receiver Chris Olavi looks legit and then you couple that with Jarvis Landry and hopefully Michael Thomas being healthy you sit here and go well, why why couldn't the New Orleans Saints get to the playoffs? I, I look at them and go, no, they are definitely one of the better teams in football. But Jameis Winston, do they can they play this year and let it go, or do they have to manage it like they did last year? And that you know that that was he yeah he was getting used to it. Sean Payton offense, all of that you know, and I don't think he was free that way. And maybe that was a good thing. So we'll see what kind of adjustments he's made to his game and uh, see if he can, you know, make some more plays this year to where they don't have to manage the game quite as much around him. Well, remember the thing you spotted last year, Jameis Winston, not as efficient, not as crisp, not as accurate with the underneath Sean Payton's surgical passing game that we took for granted because Drew Brees ran it to perfection. Winston gives them more options down the field. He just needed more time, more reps, more opportunities in the very regimented, controlled, very effective passing game that they had with Drew Brees there. And 
the point I made last week, Chris, and I think that this is the great unknown with the Saints, who fills Sean Payton's shoes yeah. from the standpoint of the guy who is relentlessly studying film of everyone, film of everything, cataloging and filing away ideas for maybe a game they don't have for six weeks, but I saw something on the reel of touchdowns scored throughout the NFL this week. That may come in handy week 13. Right, that you need somebody from an offensive standpoint who's going to do that. I don't know if Pete Carmichael is going to do it. I mean, he's been at Sean Payton's elbow for yeah, years. You would think he would know that kind of stuff, right? I mean, yeah. But it's one thing. It's one thing to watch the boss, right? Sometimes you watch the boss in awe and say, "Shit, I'll never be able to do that." And sometimes through the process, you 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 become confident that you figured out the secret sauce and you'll be able to do it. Yeah, well, that's it's a special skill. There's there's no question. You know, I, I got to witness that a little with John Gruden. You know, back in the day, his ability to pull plays here and there, or just invent a play all by himself. I mean, that's why Sean Payton was Sean Payton. So you're right. That's something to look at with with Pete Carmichael, and and, and you know, again. We got Joe Lombardi and, and the Chargers who looked like he got off to a really good start there. But yeah, for, for one of the great offensive minds of our time, we haven't and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of tentacles go out other places and go, Whoa, look at another Sean Payton protege over there and what they're doing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Mike. Maybe there's somebody no, I'm no, you know. No, but Pete Carmichael's odd. never even right. Pete Carmichael's never been seriously considered by anyone. Nobody to I be just, a head coach. That's what I mean. So I mean, it's, it is you, odd. You've that got way. Sean McVay placing guys all everywhere. over the league. Right. Shanahan and everywhere. Right. So it's, it's it, odd. It, it makes me wonder how much of the secret sauce right. Sean Payton keeps in the bottle uh -huh. himself. Uh-huh. Has he really shown these other guys how he does what he does? Right. And would he have had any even reason to begin doing it last year? I don't I, – I, 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 I think they're on their own. I think there's, a, their there's own. a balance there. There's a balance. Yeah. There is. You know, again, even though they're working for you – doesn't mean they need to know every ingredient that goes into making the donuts. It doesn't mean they need to know all of it. This maybe yeah, maybe the special sauce is in a secret room. I used to always be amazed with in New England on a on a Monday or Tuesday, Josh McDaniels, he'd be in there door closed. Nobody I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's getting organized and he'd come out and go, "Hey, here's your brother, we're going to do this, this and this." And again, we didn't necessarily see, you know, tentacles off there either all the time. And I think there is a, a little bit from these guys to not let, you know, the guys around them know every little thing they do to prepare for this, uh, you know, game planning on a weekly basis. And it's a balancing act, especially in this day and age of the NFL to like you're saying, I mean, coaches leave every two or three years and all of a sudden, oh, whoa. Hey, you were on my staff, and oh no, now I'm playing you in the NFC Championship game. Damn, I wish I didn't tell you a few of my secrets. And I think that's a re very real reality in the NFL with some of these smart offensive coaches. It's definitely the long game that you got to be thinking of if you are in the foxhole getting through a season with these coaches who are helping you toward your current goal, recognizing they're joining a different army soon, yeah. potentially. And the better you do together, the more likely you're going to be facing him in the future. What a weird existence that oh, is. Oh, it is weird. I need you now. Right. But boy, you're going to be you're going to be coming at me later. There there's a balance to strike there. One last thing about Jameis Winston cuz he gets clowned all the time. And people make fun of 
you know, his, his these goofy workouts that he does. And, you know, he, he's look, he's he's given people plenty of reason to ridicule him over the years. But you mentioned it kind of in passing. We do need to appreciate the fact, and it's his own fault because he threw a pick six to the Falcons in overtime of the Week 17 game in 2019 that gave him 30 interceptions and made that the headline for the season, the first ever 30 good way, 30 bad way touchdowns and interceptions season in NFL history. He did have 5,109 passing yards that year, and there are only four people who have ever had more passing yards in a season than him, and they are Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger by 20 yards. That's it. Yeah. Four people. I know. Better than Jameis Winston by total passing yards in a season. That that just gets glossed over. It's like I it know. never even happened. I know. You know, I know. It's, you know, and, and, and some other years of 4,000 yards and, you know, 28 touchdowns and 18 interceptions, 22 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. So they sit here and look at the stats. So there is good. And, and Mike, I remember us having conversations when it was over in Tampa where, you know, I remember telling you that, man, I, there's, a, there's a lot of coaches in football that when they were looking at Jameis Winston, the free agency, free agent, they were going, whoa, there's, there's, this guy's a little better than I thought. What, he makes some crazy, unbelievable good plays at times. It's just, could you rein it in that way and do that? And as we know, a lot of coaches, they always think, oh, I can fix that guy. I can fix that guy. And that's why Sean Payton went down that, that road. So we'll see if he can regain some of that form and you know, take away some of the, the recklessness at times that you just went, what the hell are you doing? How could you have played this well and made this many plays and now throw a backwards over-the-head throw down the middle of the field? Look, That, that was, was crazy. It's, it's the Carson Wentz. Mindset. A little bit. Right. It's, it's thinking you can do more than you can. It goes all the way back to the game against Oregon in the semifinals when there was that Pratt fall. Right. The ball goes flying. Yeah. And the referee the fell Buckner, down. I believe in all the, them. Yeah. This, 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 this belief, confidence that becomes delusion that I can do something that I physically can't do. So you put that guy with Johnny No Risk It, No Biscuit in Tampa. I'm surprised it wasn't 50 interceptions. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I hear you. You're right. It, it, it was. Uh, it was not the the best recipe for for Jameis Winston. He needed a guy, you know, like Sean Payton, like you're like you're saying, to just go like, whoa, reel him in a little bit. Hey there, buddy. Hold on. We don't need you to do that. Okay. My offense will deliver. Just be patient. Take your time. And yeah, the message always that you've always heard with that, you know, no risk it, no push the ball down the field, you know, stand in the pocket, wait for that guy, take the extra hitch, you know, as you're back there, wait for that 30 yard post to come open. And I just think it went a little too far for Jameis and he obviously couldn't handle it the right way. Jameis was the first pick in 2015, second pick Marcus Mariota and Mariota was the quarterback of that Oregon team when things went haywire for Jameis Winston. Mariota started last night for the Falcons. The Falcons using their number one guy. He's their number one guy for now. Desmond Ritter is behind him. And every once in a while, they'll be like, well, they're going to go get Jimmy G. Are they going to get this guy? They seem to be content, Chris, Definitely. to go forward with Marcus Mariota. What did you see from him last night against the Jets? It looked good. I mean, it's, it's the second week in a row. You go, well, oh, you know, I like the offense. I like what Arthur Smith is doing. You know, made some plays. This guy right here. 
With him coupled with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, I mean, just all pro tight end Kyle Pitts. It's just coming, everybody, just get used to it. I think he's about to take the league by storm and become the best tight end in football. He's just insane that way. But, hey, there's a toughness. They got, you know, moving him a little bit. The play action passes. What I will say with this game is, you know, again, this is where preseason can be frustrating. You know, they've practiced against each other the last few days, right? Everybody, anything you read or talk to, the telecast was telling you last night, you know, the Jets got the best of the Falcons in these in the little training camp scrimmages. The Jets seem to have, have won that battle. You know, and now they don't play their starters. Atlanta plays some of theirs, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, again, I'm not trying to take anything away, but I do think Atlanta game plan some plays for the Jets to go, you know, hey, we didn't do good in the scrimmages. Let's we got a feel for them when we do this and this because they did this to us on Thursday or Friday at practice. Let's screw them over with this. They, they haven't seen that. And I think there was some of that for sure in the game plan yesterday. But either way, good on Arthur Smith to give his team some confidence. And Mariota looked good. He really did. And I think they're going to know how to use him the right way. I'm, I'm impressed with Arthur Smith, the head coach, the attitude he brings. It's, it's Vrabel-ish, which we've seen be pretty successful here in the NFL. Well, and he worked with Mike Vrabel, so another example. If it's Falcons-Titans in a Super Bowl at some point, Vrabel's going to say, maybe I taught this guy too well. Um, last week after one day of joint practices, Robert Sala called Kyle Pitts a creative player in Madden, where he's the ideal 6'6 and 200, whatever it is, 230, and just all the attributes, speed, strength, everything. Think, yeah. And when I looked at his number, he had – record numbers for a rookie tight end, but he only had one touchdown. Isn't that amazing? Is, all the catches, all the yards, and he only ended up in the end zone once. And I mentioned that because can we roll the highlights again of Mariota? I saw, I noticed at least two of them while we were watching the highlights of Mariota, where when you've got a guy who's behind the defense, you got to get it to him in stride. Yeah, let it go, he right? can't. If he, if he hits him in stride, that's a touchdown. Yeah. No, that, I know. That, You're and, right. And then the other tight so, end up the left sideline is same Exactly. Type of thing. That yeah. one's coming up. Yes. That one's coming up. Guys, wide ass open, as Bruce Arians would say. And and he's got to wait for the ball when that's a walk-in touchdown. Yeah. Right right there. Yeah. If you hit him in stride, he's going to run past the safety and he's going to score. Tight. Maybe he doesn't make it all the way past well, the safety. Definitely but he definitely left have to yards stand there on the and field. wait for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, look. We, we can we can say, oh, wait, look at that, look at that, but that's where Mariota's got to he's got to pick it up. When you got that guy behind the defense, don't take anything off of it. You got to get it to him in stride, and you're not going to have to worry about your red zone efficiency. You won't be operating in the red zone. You have a touchdown. I, I yes, and and again, you know, it's preseason. He's probably just hey, trying to be a little careful. Let me just make sure I complete it, and you know, we get the the momentum going in the right direction. And you are getting used to. You know, sometimes in, in games, the emotions, everything, you, you're, you've, I haven't thrown this guy to practice, but damn, in the game, it just he hit another gear. I have been a part of that, too, where, you know, just the adrenaline of the game where you're going, wait, I've thrown this route to this guy 40 times in practice this week, and all of a sudden in the game, he's juiced up and ready to go, and he hit another gear that I wasn't quite ready for, and, and you do that. So, uh, but, but I hear your point. But, man, I've never seen anybody look like that guy. I've never. It's, it is truly impressive. Uh, he runs routes like he's Megatron, and he's built like Gronk. 
And that's just crazy. It really is. And they got some weapon there. And I know we didn't get to see Drake London last night, but got to see him a little bit in the first preseason game against Detroit. And he had a catch, and I know he hurt his ankle or foot a little bit. But you know, to your point with the red zone touchdowns, Arthur Smith's run game, Mariota being able to also run and the design run there, they're, they're gonna, I would think are going to put some people in some binds. You got Drake London, who's 6'5", and during the draft process, right, we talked about 50-50 balls are like 90-10 with him. And now you got Pitts on the other side, 50-50 balls are going to be 95-5 with him. And then ability to run the ball and play a little Vrabel smash-mouth football, I would be shocked if they're not more dangerous in the red zone this year than, than years past. Well, and look, if Mariota doesn't get it done – I don't know when they flipped to Desmond Ritter. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know when he's going to be ready. Looks good, though. And if it turns out, well, and, you know, they, they, if Ritter doesn't become what they need, that's a very attractive destination emerging for the next quarterback who decides, I'm not happy where I am, and I'm going to start evaluating the opportunities out there. Tom Brady's not going to be in Tampa next year. Who knows what the Saints are going to be? Who knows what the Panthers are going to be? But as I look for my options as to where I can go and make a difference, maybe Atlanta makes a lot of sense. Maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons why Deshaun Watson pulled them to the table. They didn't come to the table. He pulled them to the table, as you had said before. Maybe he saw what they, they can ultimately be based on where they're currently headed. Yeah, I, I think that they'll have a lot of options. You know, I, I, and again, I, I think we, we both think they overperformed last year for a team that we looked at and when there's not that much great here. But they were competitive and in the playoff conversation. You know, yes, I I agree with you. Free agent quarterbacks might go, whoa, wait, Arthur Smith looks like he's got a clue on offense. They got some weapons. I like the offense altogether. And the other thing that, you know, I haven't gone down this road quite yet, but like I trust guys like my father. My father, you know, he's he kind of watches this stuff a little this time of the year. He's not talking football and doing a podcast every day. He's uh, and I've heard from people around the NFL, the crop of quarterbacks coming out next year in the draft, it sounds like it's there's an impressive group. So that, that could also be on their radar if the Marcus Mariota thing doesn't quite work out. Last week when Aaron Rodgers complained about the inconsistencies of his young receivers, I may have said that his complaint rings hollow because he chose not to be there for the offseason program. Coincidentally, or ironically, he addressed that yesterday. We'll let you know what Rodgers had to say about his potential responsibility for the lack of development of his young receivers when PFT Live continues right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm. 